episode 18 of All the Horrible Things, where we are celebrating road trip horror this week because today, the 27th of May, is National Road Trip Day, baby! I love a good road trip. As do I. And of course, Memorial Day is what, you know, gets people that extra time and to go yeah. out there. Granted, uh... Get on the road. I think it's kind of tough this year with $7 gas prices. Oh my goodness. Seriously, that's the one thing that's going to put a damper in people's road trip plans. That's our horror story, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's funny, and I, and I can connect this to something. But in one of the movies we're going to talk about later, you see in the background what gas prices were in 2001, and it was like a dollar thirty. I remember, I remember that right after we graduated high school, it was as oh. low as ninety nine cents. Yeah, and it, it was that was glorious. I yeah. remember just driving just for fun, joyride. Speaking of which, we'll get to later. Burning. Money. Um, burning money away before we start dipping into these horror movies though i'm curious what was your most memorable road trip that you've taken over the years well it's interesting because I, I i sort of like bucket those like we've taken you know family road trips which you know you have fond memories of but i'm certain in the moment being stuck in the car with your family is not the most no. fun that's something I was thinking about as I was watching these. I, I realized now a road trip does not appeal to me half as much as it did in my 20s right. or like late right. teens. Um, I think no, at this stage, we don't want to just be cooped up with people like that. We want to listen to our own music and yeah, our, you know, our own podcasts or whatever. I, I think it, it becomes increasingly harder as you get older to tolerate road trips. Yeah, um, but that's that's why I'm saying I I bucketed them because like I had the family road trips and then I had like friends we would jump in a car like even like visiting other friends in like the Big Ten colleges whether you're driving down to University of Illinois or you're driving to University of Iowa to uh, visit friends those were always fun road trips. You felt yeah, like an definitely. Adult as a kid, yeah. Right. Yeah, I remember senior year in high school. Um, my grandpa passed. I got a little bit of chump change and I immediately bought that old Ford Tempo. If you remember that little <laughs> white devil. Um, and the first thing I, I did do. with it was uh, bring two of my buddies down to my grandpa's, uh, like, Tampa Bay little wow. house on the water. And it was just us three at, like, 18 wow. years old. And I felt like such a big shot. I don't know how we got beer, but we did. We did get beer somehow oh, at the ripe age of 18. That's true. That is true. <laughs> in Florida, uh, just, they gave it away. Yeah. That was probably the most fun i would say because it was the perfect timing i just got this new little crappy car and i was putting it to use um but i've had some scary moments on the road have you had any scary moments on the road um yeah well not necessarily on the road but part of the road trip yeah i remember okay. this is probably around um 10 12 years ago i went with uh some friends we were taking a trip to northern illinois for a, a camping trip Oh. And when we got there, we set up camp and out of nowhere, a motorcycle gang showed up. Oh, gosh. There was like five, <laughs> Hell's Angels, five dudes in leather. They would just walk up and, and then in the dark in, in, onto your, your campsite. And first they were really just like leaning into like scaring us because they yeah. got a kick out of that. <laughs> And, you know, they were joking about how they just, some of them just got out of prison and like, here we are just a bunch of dudes camping. Wow. Uh, so just offered them beer to like be cool. And then by the end of it, they ended up being cool guys, but they were really playing it. Like they wanted to like, 
murders. steal your old lady. <laughs> yeah, well, no, there was just there was no girls with that. It was just, oh, it was just okay. a guys trip, and which made it weird. They were like making fun, of, like just a bunch of guys sleeping in these tents in the woods. And we're like, yeah, well, yeah, you're you're a city boy. That's one That's of the right. themes that pops up during uh, these road trip horrors. Is essentially yeah. the urban versus the rural. And I don't remember sleeping all that well that night, though. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I mean, I'd be kind of concerned too. Yeah, ripped off or having stuff stolen, which you see in yeah some of these flicks. Uh, as as noted, we'll talk about it later. But I just saw the new wrong turn from last year, and there's oh, right, right, thievery right. involved there. So oh, man, that's something I'd be scared of camping for sure. Do you do you carry like a, a knife with you, a bear I spray, or anything? Almost always have a knife on me. Okay. Anyway, Even just just walking the streets of Chicago, like a multi tool, but it's got like a nice knife on it. Yeah. Oh, nice. I don't. I don't. I just don't cut my nails and <laughs> do the Wolverine do thing. Wolverine, Freddy Go for the plus. eyes, baby. The eyes yeah. and the groin. That's, there that's, you go. Uh, that's what you do. Uh, do, you, do you have uh, road trips? You know, I don't have nefarious figures that I've dealt with, but I've had a lot of like what I felt like were near death experiences in the car on the oh, road. Wow. Okay. I remember when I first drove to Los Angeles for that first time, I was in a big old 1979 E-150 van, and it was in January. I remember sleeping in the mountains and freezing my butt off, but the next day after that mountain sleep in Colorado, it's going down the 25, and there was a truck that just seemed to like be suddenly stopping in front of me, and granted, it was kind of far up there, but I got nervous enough to kind of hit the brakes too hard and the whole van did like a 180 oh, on the highway and i just got saved by about three feet of guardrail otherwise uh, i would have tumbled down and been toast that was that was pretty scary and then in was, 2002 i remember um showing up at a party of some friends and some peripheral friends were gung-ho about we're going to california tonight we got an extra spot you want in and I handed the keys to that tempo I talked about earlier to my friend. And he said, bring it back to my house, will you? And I hopped in the car with these jokers, didn't really know them. And um, as we were crossing the Mississippi River, it was a Jeep, Jeep Cherokee or something. Like the bottom fell out of the car. Oh, my God. Like the car just died right at the Mississippi. Um, but these kids were so gung-ho about doing something that uh, I, I suggested, well, what's at the bottom? Maybe this is a sign. What's at the bottom of the old Mississippi? And that was New Orleans. <laughs> so I talked the guy into selling the car for scrap and buying us all Greyhound tickets down to New Orleans. <laughs> and one of the guys still lives there from this random trip, which is wow. insane. So that was That's his destiny. Impressive. You know, I lasted yeah. about 10 days, 14 days down there before I came back and went to, went to school that year. But uh, the, the other three, they stayed down That's there insane. for a while. It, it is. It is. And one's still there. So. And of course, I've definitely had a flat tire on the highway before, which mm. which scared mm -hmm. me. That was in Sacramento, but yeah, no nefarious figures like you. It's it's always been mechanic mechanical for me. Yeah, I mean, not to. I mean, I think motorcycle gangs are awesome, but when they show up in the middle, <laughs> they show up in the middle of the woods when you're camping. It seems a little out of context. It was a bit uh, scary. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm pretty indifferent to motorcycle gangs. <laughs> I, I personally I don't cool. like noise pollution but uh um, right, right. so each their own right whatever you gotta do it's better than those <laughs> those guys that have the big like trucks that shoot out all that extra uh, smoke worst. from the back that i don't get that i'm intolerant of but i could see how riding a motorcycle is like flying so i can kind of yeah. i can kind of get what that sensation to be like i've been on a motorcycle have you 
no i've never have i just think they're cool yeah um yeah i got some family that's into motorcycles i don't quite get it but again to each their own well what we're gonna do here with these movies is we kind of broke them down into three categories um essentially the popular ones the ones you've heard of in some way or other we'll talk about those at the end and kind of decide which which is the ultimate of those but then we have two different tiers one is like you probably heard of it you might not have seen it and then we have the ones that you probably have not heard of at all we're going to talk about whether or not they're worth catching um (laughs) any notable moments or or scenes that we can bring up um and this week we actually watched a couple of these Mm -hmm. i watched husk and evidence and midnight ride specifically this week um you watched some of those too right i watched all three of those as well so of husk Midnight Ride, which is old. We're talking 1990 for Midnight Ride. Husk yeah. was the early aughts. Um, and Evidence, I think, was the early aughts as well. I think it's like a 2011 or 2013. Oh, 2011. Or okay. Yeah. Um, so let's just kind of run through them. What was your takeaway from Husk, which is a remake of the 1988 film uh, Scarecrows? So Scarecrows are at the heart of Husk. Right. Well... I, you know, as I'm watching Husk, I thought it was cool because cornfields can definitely be creepy For sure. and scary. Definitely. I didn't necessarily love the the lore of these these scarecrows. Like one of the, one of the characters in this group of friends um, who get you know a flat tire or whatever, and they, they're stuck on the side of the road. Right. They decide to venture into the cornfield because they they uh, they one of the friends went missing, but one of the friends in the group can see. The um, like uh, I don't know, I don't even want to say ghost, but he can see the moments in history between the family that lived here, like the origin story of this, and I, they don't explain why. Why is he this clairvoyance? Right, and nobody else can see it. Yeah, and I and like I understand the need for that. Like, how else could you introduce that unless you introduce a whole new character, which could get confusing because they're out mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. But I I just didn't necessarily love that. I did find out that I like the filmmaker who went on to make you might be the killer oh okay the, all right uh, yeah i will say i actually did like the production value of it i thought it looked really slick it, it, it was fun to watch visually right story-wise is where it falls apart for me Agreed. um because it is ultimately about this kind of reincarnated yeah. creating scarecrows from your friends sort of thing um right it, it's gonna it's kind of convoluted but uh, I mean, I'm glad it exists. I kind of want to go back now and watch Scarecrows and see if that mm-hmm. did it better. Because Same I will here. say, I think Scarecrows is it's it's a scary like topic to tackle, Premise. and I think some movies yeah. we're going to talk about later uh, deal with the look of Scarecrows even more. Right. Certainly, it goes back to biblical aspects as well. Um, just having somebody on the cross. And there was some good effects in this too. I remember the first undead friend that they find sewing, you know, a yeah. scarecrow costume has like the nails in his fingers. It was, yeah, it was, that looked cool. Um, it did. Production wise, it was good. They just needed a rewrite. Yeah. But when they continue to use that same device of them finding a friend upstairs, it does, it, it's no, lost yeah. all of its, you know, scariness. It, and yeah, there was no urgency. The characters are pretty, one-dimensional i i don't want to see it again i remember struggling through it the first time and not really remembering a lot and then i did revisit it um and i was like oh okay i see why i didn't retain much of this (laughs) other than the visuals yeah 
but yeah, I would say that's one you could probably skip, but now I am curious about Scarecrow, so I might investigate that. Another one we watch this. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, you know what? I think a big problem with the film might be is that a good amount of it happens during the day. You know, it, it takes obviously yeah. the, the, the tape, you know, like the, the time to actually get to nighttime where it could be scarier, but a lot of this right. happens during the day and not That's as scary. a good point. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think you really have to have a premise that works with daylight. And I don't necessarily think this one does. Because scarecrows, I think, are generally meant to keep away the birds at night. Correct. I don't know. I'm not a farmer, so I'm not sure. <laughs> it just, it, it didn't, yeah, it didn't really scare me at all. It didn't have mm -hmm. moments of, of fright that it could have. And other movies set in the corn husks have done. What scares, scared me the most is just when you run through corn, you get sliced up, man. I mean, oh, that's yeah. like the worst paper cuts ever when you get and those. And just the idea of not knowing where you're at. You get turned around very right. easily. Yes. Yeah. I wish they kind of played that up a little more. That being said, did you see that recent Netflix movie, the cornfield one? I where did. Everyone's... And I think what was that, called? that was, um, was that a, uh, a Stephen King story or a, a, a son? I'm not sure. Yeah. It might've been his sons. In the uh, tall grass. I think it's called. In the tall grass. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that did a better job of, of you know, being lost and had mm -hmm. the urgency involved with that than Husk did. But right, right. Another kind of crappy one we watched was Evidence. <laughs> yes. This is so Evidence movie. is found film or found footage. Correct. And this was a movie I had never heard of. I, I mean, this and it had it has some really decent, decent cast yes Stephen moyer um oh, i forget her name now from um melissa george is it i'm pretty sure it's melissa george you talk about the cops right because ultimately yeah. there's the meta frame and then the actual slicing no, and dicing I, that occurs i thought it was the, the actor from um silent hill isn't that melissa george too no maybe i'm mistaken um, okay she has I melissa mean, george vibes fine I mean, notable actors in this movie. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, I appreciate the setup of the movie. Um, well, you know what? There's there's two stories going on along the same time period here. We've got the found footage story where we've got all these um, kids who were, who were headed out and they rent a, was it a, a bus? Like a mini bus? Yes, a shuttle bus. Shuttle bus. But then you've got the actual like um, procedural going on where you've got um, these cops putting together the story. And I thought that was right. actually really kind of fun. What I was telling you earlier is the thing that really bothered me was the juxtaposition of going from one story to the next with the, the digital noise that they were including in it was very distracting. I mean, and I love found footage. I don't mind right. shaky camera, uh, but they really went over the top with this. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, whereas Husk, I thought was was at least visually pleasing. This one was a struggle, kind of gave me a headache. And I didn't necessarily like the procedural part as much as you did. I felt like it belonged on like a CBS show. You know what I mean? It felt yeah. NCIS or something to me. It didn't feel theatrical enough for me. It felt confined and claustrophobic. Um, but this is our only found footage road trip film. So there's something right. to that. And I will say that I did like the means of murder with this welding tool. Uh, yeah. That was kind of cool. And I mean, something I hadn't seen before. I mean, you, you, this the killer, killers, right. is able to just like take off limbs with this welder. And you see it yeah, sometimes cool. yeah. through uh, essentially, what is it, infrared cameras, which again, right. not super 
fun to look at, but at least it was something kind of unique and I hadn't seen before. I'll give it that. That, Uh, That reminds me of my biggest problem with this movie is that, and this is somebody who works with video, there's no zooming in and no. and and analyzing like when Stephen Moyer's character is like, all right, yeah, punch it back three frames, go in there, punch in. Uh, <laughs> and then they use some sort of stupid term like the uh, not like analyze or something, but it smooths out the video. That's right. it does, doesn't work like that. And yeah. I hated that. I hate the fact that you created a gimmick to to manipulate the footage. It does. It just doesn't work like that. I'm with you. It's definitely not realistic. But that being said, if there are potential murderers out there, let's let them believe that is a possibility. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You can do anything with a, with a Anything. You can see your soul through video. Uh, Rada Mitchell. That's who the actor is. Oh, Rada Mitchell. Okay, my bad. Yeah. They, they do look a lot alike, though. You're right. They uh, do have similarities. My bad on that one. Okay, so evidence is another one you could probably skip unless you're a huge found footage person. Right. You know what, though? Really quick. <laughs> Um, very surprised that there that there's not more road trip found footage movies. I think it was kind of contrived how they put this one together, and if it wasn't for who the killers are and what they were trying to do, because this one has a lot to do with you know fame seeking, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and it's not unlike another one on this list. Um, that's kind of lower tier, but they do such better job of it. We talked about this movie before and that's a classic horror story from only a couple oh, yeah. years ago, the Italian the film, Italian where film, again, yeah. you have a setup that seems like it's one thing. And then it turns out to be, um, essentially a movie being made, yeah. which is going on in both of them. So there's that clever classic horror story does it really well. And it has a much better cast that had the, um, the lead from that movie revenge, which we really liked as well. And a classic right, horror story. Right. Right. And I would completely recommend that one because it's just, it's done really well. Some really great graphics and scenes and just this like church sort of structure, this deified structure that they're, they're dealing with alone. Just the set design is so cool in a classic horror story. You don't get any of that in evidence. Right. Right. And I was gonna say, they do such a good job of introducing these characters and how different the characters are that are like put together on this bus. Um, yeah no it it absolutely does it's almost canterbury tale style like reality every all the characters are so uh disparate that Mm -hmm. it just really makes for a good story and evidence Um, you've got like a teen runaway who's into magic you're like what (laughs) (laughs) yes uh the characters are really weak and the performances aren't that great in evidence either even as much as i like stephen moyer i don't think he's i think he's better when he's being a vampire in true blood (laughs) yeah agreed Uh, I think, yeah, the camp is better for him than trying to do mm-hmm. procedural stuff. Um, let's talk about the other one we watched this week. Oh, boy. Which the is probably maybe one of the movie. oldest, uh, at least one of the two oldest on our, our whole list here. 1990. Yeah. Midnight, Midnight Ride. Ride. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, this was a movie that I, I didn't necessarily know by name, but I knew or I had heard people talk about Mark Hamill's character in this movie. This movie stars um, um, uh, Mark Hamill and Michael Dudikoff, who, when I was a kid, like I looked up to as a, a B action star. Really? Yeah. What else the, has he been in that you really liked him in? Well, he did a series of movies that, um, if you're familiar with the production company Canon, they made a lot of ridiculous movies in the 80s, but specifically these movies called American Ninja 
Oh, Michael Dudikoff okay, played this this American soldier who was like really good That's at martial weird. arts. But if you go back and you watch it, you're like, oh man, he was not that good at martial arts. But he also uh, a, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say he also had a, his own TV show called Cobra. Oh, okay. All right. And he drove a red, you know, Shelby Cobra, and uh, yeah. Also, I think one of his best performances is in the movie Bachelor Party. Okay. He plays like the crazy friend in the Bachelor Party, the Tom Hanks movie. Oh, that's right, the Tom Hanks flick. Okay. Yeah. I didn't hate him, but I did oh. hate his character. You know oh, what I mean? I didn't character. hate what he did with, <laughs> with the the character, but the character itself was just horrible. And well, I really think this movie sends the wrong message as a whole. One hundred percent. Let's talk about the plot a little bit here, because I don't want to go too far down here. But this movie starts off really, really weird, strangely. Yes. You got Michael Dudikoff's character watching a movie eating a sandwich <laughs> while his his wife is in the background packing a bag like it's very right. clear even for like the audience to be like oh, she's leaving him right and, and he kind of like half notices but he's more into the sandwich yes the sandwich and whatever <laughs> the hell he was watching then um she she goes to the car which is you know kind of where the, the movie literally takes off and he's he appears in the front seat right and i think this whole like setup of this movie could have been so different if they had a different musical composer. Oh my gosh! The music in this movie is so bad. It's ridiculous. It's over the it's top, comical, out of place. Yeah. Cinemax, early '90s Cinemax. Right. Comical. It's, um, it's like a soundtrack to another movie. It does not fit correct, any scene. Correct. Absolutely oh, absurd. You know what though? I'm sorry. The very first scene. This movie starts like right out of the gates with Mark Hamill's character and a, and a rental car. Um, oh, that's right. Counter remember. And he doesn't have a oh, credit yeah. card, so she can't rent him the car, <laughs> which I was like, the movie started. <laughs> <laughs> what? And then they don't show you Mark Hamill's full face. They just like show his mouth. Like, well, we right. know he's in it. Why are you doing this to the character? That is very strange. And he has um, a very distinguishable mouth as well. You know, yes. So, there's really no point to it. But then there's this generic storyline where the, the the main character's wife is leaving him because he's a cop. And she doesn't like his job and his hours. Right. He spends more time at his workplace than he does with her in the homestead. Which, well, here, which would have been much more of a payoff if he wasn't home when she left. If he was actually That's true. working. He's on the <laughs> Lounging on the couch with a sandwich. Yes. You're never home. This is another thing we got to mention is that she was a Russian bride. Yes. Right. So he oh, got yeah. her from Moscow and yes. saved her from Russia. Dude, the 1990s. So there's very still a little strange. He, he drops. Well, we got you out of Russia. And then, <laughs> what does that yeah. mean? So they're oh. actually loving each other is in question as it is. Is she a piece of property to him? It is weird. She, so she's trying to leave him essentially or what for, right seems multiple reasons he Again. sucks and he's never there but he's always there which is a terrible setup when she's doing it when the husband's home right right like yeah he, it's it's ridiculous i mean the writing is it was piss poor in this oh man but what's what's so stupid is then he's like all right well i'm going with you then wherever you're going and then he's like how about how about we just get some ice cream you yeah. always, you always feel better yeah. after we get you some ice cream. He's placating her with some ice cream. Yes, it was yeah, so patronizing. Like a child. Um, yeah. But then what's ridiculous is like he thinks he's won her over, and she drives him in front of the ice cream joint. He gets out, and then she just drives away. 
He's like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. Uh, and then he steals a co- his buddy's cop car. Yeah, he asks too? his buddy like, to go get him a burger at Burger King. <laughs> it's very clearly He like, totally does the same thing that his wife did to him, tricks him into then ganking the car away from him. How many cars does he go through in this movie? Uh, three or four. Four, maybe. Yeah. The um, the funniest part about this scene, though, makes me think that they like did a guerrilla film like shooting at Burger King because... Yeah. Uh, were they okay with that? And just massive. That's Burger a good King question. I don't background. see. I don't see Burger King wanting to be affiliated with this movie. No. Uh, based on the things that happen, um, but we don't know for sure that he's nefarious um, until he kills a woman and pops out her fake eye and sucks on that eyeball, oh makes a little God. necklace out of it, and is sucking on this this little plastic eyeball. Because we're kind of we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Yeah. She drove away from her husband. He's a hitchhiker. And she picks him up because he seems sweet as a button. Right. Um, but then, of course, he turns out to be this homicidal maniac who wants to get back to his psychiatrist for some reason. It's like, unclear because he, he makes him feel good, he said. Well, he it makes, makes him, him feel, feel good. good. But he really wants her to go see the doctor. Right. He um, wants to give her electroshock therapy so that she, she can like be. Him. Yeah, exactly. He wants to brainwash her into. Uh, being into him which is super weird because he keeps saying you remind me of my sister you remind me of my sister yeah and his sister uh, essentially this is the the basis of him being a whack job himself was murdered by their mother and the way that it's explained is that she used a butcher knife like a comb on his sister and so bizarre still trying to figure out how that is doesn't seem like it's a scalping it seems like i don't know i don't know but that's how it's described and I don't exactly know how that would work. But, but we also learned, though, that he would cuddle with his sister. And then he said the mom made it seem like it was dirty. Like he just. Well, how does to, how does know. Mark Hamill go from one of the most popular franchises ever, Star Wars, to then only a few years later taking on this role that is so embarrassing? Like well, not a lot of people saw Mark Hamill as a leading man. I mean, George okay. Lucas did for for. Um, for Luke Skywalker, obviously, but yeah, he doesn't have many leading roles and he really kind of goes the, the voice acting route. Right. Okay. And that's what I want to talk about too, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. He, he is the voice of Joker in animated in the Batman animated series. And I see the origin of what he did with that character in this movie. And I'm going to say it's a terrible movie, but Mark Hamill's performance is worth watching it for because it's so over the top. Uh, and if you are a Joker fan from Batman anime series, you're going to hear the laugh. You're going to see a similar smile. I think his performance alone made it. I got through it because I found him so amusing, oh, yeah. even though it's certainly by no means like good acting, but it was com- compelling acting. I guess mm-hmm. you, could, you could put it that way. Yeah. You couldn't look away like a car crash sort of because, thing. Because our, our, our female lead was not good at all. Oh, my God. Well, she kept. Terrible. She's from Russia. It just seemed like she had an accent to begin with, but then that accent kind of came and went. I was going to say, I, there was times where I didn't know if she was from Russia. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he was like watching a car crash, which I think uh, brings us on to our last one on this list. Unless you want to say something about Midnight well, I guess Ride. I, the thing that I will say that was kind of enjoyable about Midnight Ride is that it does move quickly and it does yeah. jump from vehicle to vehicle. That's true, and it kind of just kind of. 
um, stays on the road almost, you know? That's true. This I, one, I think more than any other of these movies yeah. is just rooted in this trip. Yeah. On yeah. the road trip, 100%. Uh, on, this, on this midnight ride. I will agree with you that it does move pretty swiftly, mm-hmm. um, necessarily so, because oh, God. Oh, and then, there's not then, a lot. Randomly, the, the, the doctor's Robert Mitchum. <laughs> Like this clearly robert mitchum at this point was just like kind of taking roles wherever you can get them right um, i mean if you you sell it as you know the star of star wars is in it you want to do this mitchum and i mean yeah. granted he was probably one of the better aspects of it too even though he didn't have a lot to do no no no, no. Um, i almost wish that they had introduced him like the start of this movie like um yeah anyway yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, and I mean, he does end up actually doing a little electroshock therapy on this woman, too, which was just... Yeah. Oh, oh, that's what I want to get to. It oh. moves fast, except at the end, in the final fight between the two, it felt like the the family guy scene where he's fighting the big right. chicken, because it just went <laughs> over, oh. like, across the whole hospital. It never ended. It was the longest fight scene I think I've seen in a horror movie. Well, it's clear like that the director had seen Die Hard and saw Bruce Willis mm. in the vents. He's like, "Oh, I'm going into the vents too." Right. And he puts he rides in down. The vents. Oh god. <laughs> then you got Hamill riding down the stairs in like a little go kart thing. Oh my god! Yeah, where did he get ramming that? into him? <laughs> I don't know. There was a sure lot of smoke too. It was just it's a, it's a beautiful B movie. I mean, it's yes. a movie you want to create yes. a drinking game too. Um, just have it in the background and laugh at because. Uh, that's all that's all you're gonna get from this this flick um oh in just the, the final thing on this one of course they have to give you this like denouement where oh, it yeah. seemed like george or not george but um hamill was dead mm-hmm. and then it turns out he's still alive and he's yeah, in the wheelchair and again you're not showing hamill you're showing the wheelchair even though everyone with half a brain knows that this is hamill and then <laughs> he's in the <laughs> elevator well, again the with music our... too just cues it up like Oh, but yeah, this is kind of the main point of it, though. It's sending the wrong message because he's trying. She's trying to get away from her husband, who's neglectful. And then in the end, only because she's comparing him to a homicidal maniac, now she wants to be with yeah, him again. It and pushes, is willing it, to. It pushes her right back to the husband. Right. I will say, at least the husband said he's willing to like leave his job. At, yes. at least there was that. But yeah, right. it is the wrong message. Right. You're trying to escape something, and it's like. Yeah, well, at least he's not as bad as that guy. <laughs> I mean, after stealing the cop car, he might not have a job anyway. So right, maybe it boils right. down to that. But yeah, um, the last one on this list, uh, it, I don't know if it quite qualifies as horror, but it's definitely um, deranged is Cronenberg's Crash, which mm-hmm. deals with people with a uh, psychological, psychosexual passion for car yeah. crashing that kind of gets them hot and bothered. James um, Spader, right? James Spader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I remember seeing it when I was younger, and maybe Same. just being too young to really quite appreciate it. Yeah. I don't. Maybe it wasn't that good. Granted, Cronenberg got a new one coming out, oh, which yeah. I'm very excited about, called Future Crimes. Yeah, people are um, already walking out of it. That's a good sign. Really outstanding. Oh good. yeah. Kristen Stewart and uh, I guess surgery has uh, sexual connotations in this yeah. new one and time yeah. crimes. So. His old one crash had the uh, the car crashes leading to the flesh sins. Anyways, so those are kind of the the first tier ones that hit her, you can see or not, with the exception of classic story, which I highly suggest. The rest are kind of not known for a reason, I would say. Yeah, I, I would say some of these are, are a little easier to come by. Classic horror story, I believe, is still on Netflix. 
uh, nice. Midnight Ride was streaming for free on 2B. And, right. Um, and what was that, like 480p? It was oh, such man. a crappy version. It was really hard to just watch because of how grainy it was. Agreed. Agreed. It was like it doesn't necessarily old deserve, VHS tape. It doesn't deserve a remastering, but I would, no. would say it, it was very low res. For his just iconic performance and essentially being the... <laughs> precursor to his joker i think it, it should it be remastered just for that it, yeah. it's comical you yeah. know yeah. give it to mystery science and they'll do something <laughs> with it but let's talk about the middle grounders here the not top yeah. top of the charts road trip horror um and granted some of them are like really really good i just don't think they might be old enough for it to be known sure so that's where we're putting them in this this category starting with we talked about it a few times i think on the podcast is near dark yeah um which is a vampire road trip horror that's amazing that just <laughs> that's all i gotta say about that one <laughs> yeah Catherine bigelow hits it out of the park there i think that's yeah. my favorite of hers by far this is the, during the time when she's kind of competing with her dude mr cameron that's right and frankly i gotta say i think near dark and maybe aliens are their two best for me for cameron it's aliens near I dark agree. i think it's bigelow I'd agree with that. Um, Unless you're a huge like Point Break fan, yeah, which I'm not. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's fun, but Near it. Dark is a better movie. Yes, for sure, for sure. And that's such a genre bender. Um, yeah, and I think people kind of forget that it is a road trip movie, and we're dealing with like familial bonding through vampirism. Pretty much, right. they they are very supportive of one another as vampires. So it's it's unique. It's kind of the precursor for stuff like true blood, where you really give humanity to vampires in a way that it hadn't been done before. Um, and of course we have death proof, which is a Tarantino yes. movie, which you would think it would have a little more acclaim and a little more, you know, clout around it. But I think it's kind of forgotten because it was part of that double feature, right? Yeah. With planet terror and, uh, yeah. And death proof. Yeah. Robert Rodriguez I... and Tarantino. I remember enjoying it, but not having any interest in seeing it again. No, I, you know, I think the best thing about this movie is Kurt Russell's stuntman, Mike. His character yes. is so interesting. He's kind of like your Rutger Hauer um, psychopath from The Hitcher, which is another yeah. great road trip movie. Or um, just a, an obsessive uh, individual who... Uh, kind of feel like he gets off on this as well yes again we have sexual gratification um involved in the road yeah i i don't know i mean some people there is a fetishism with cars for oh, a yeah. certain generation yeah. you know and i think he's kind of i think kurt russell's age is appropriate for that sort of fetishism um i mean it's beautiful it's a tarantino movie like oh, look yeah. production wise it's great Visually, yes it's just like there's no one to root for and i don't know yeah, it's that's why it's in the middle. It's in the middle ground because it's production wise is great. I just think it's probably Tarantino's worst. Yeah, I think um, if you were ranking his movies, it would probably be yeah towards the bottom there. Now, there's an Australian one we put on this list, Wolf Creek, which I don't remember having seen. It's possible, yeah. but you have. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen Wolf Creek and I know that they've got um, some sequels in there. And I believe they did a TV series for Wolf Creek, which oh, might wow. be on Shudder. I don't I don't think I've gotten into too many series on that platform yet. But yeah, it's, it's a really cool movie about um, some girls who, who uh, break down in the outback. And you kind of 
you know, this is equivalent to like breaking down in the American Southwest. You, you, you will take help from wherever you get it. And there's this man who is, man, he is, he's got a great performance, but he's, you know, he's kind of like when you see him, you wouldn't necessarily want to like trust him, but he's your only hope. Yeah. <laughs> he's a really big character and he brings them back to his place and, you know, he ties them up and I don't want to get into too many spoilers, oh. but yeah, it's a, it's a fun movie. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, revisit that one because I think I saw it, but I just don't really remember it that well. So did, does it distinguish itself as something different than, say, like a wrong turn or even well, Texas Chainsaw? It, yeah, there's no, there's no, necess- I mean, the, the monsters really here are human, you know, okay. there, there's nothing, it's just about, um, I imagine this crazy character out in the middle of nowhere may have been led astray by boredom. I got it. Okay. All right. Well, it's good that we got an Australian one on the list. Yeah. Um, let's talk about one that we both love from our youth Yeah, called Breakdown with yes. Kurt Russell again, right? Yes, this is Kurt Russell, and this kind of uh, transitions nicely from talking about your car being broke down in the middle of nowhere. And, and, and this one takes place um, about a husband and wife whose car breaks down. And it's really, really bizarre because you, you, you want to trust somebody who's willing to help you who, who volunteers to take your wife to the, the diner, which is just down the road uh, to call right. for a, a tow truck to come back. But hours and hours pass. And Kurt Russell finally just needs to like, like, where's my wife? Right. Um, and we're talking about JT Walsh here is one of the yes. nefarious characters and JT Walsh. He's awesome. rest in peace because he is such an icon on the screen. Yeah. He's got such presence. Uh, anything he does, I think is, is pretty freaking awesome. Agreed. I think he's why I remembered the movie more than anything. Yeah, he is. He is the guy who offers help, and 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 like, um, this is a really messed up movie where it, it's they play with um, sanity. You know, like, yeah. are you sure you lost your wife? Yes, gaslighting before people were using that term. Yeah, essentially. that's exactly a lot of gaslighting it. going on. And there's a lot of like, maybe your wife wanted to leave you, type of a thing. And right. Then he finds out that there is something going on and they, they want money for the wife. And it just turns into this really great revenge rescue type movie. Yeah, it's more of more of a thriller with horror elements. In yeah, it. yes. Well, I mean, from the from the mindset of our main character, it's a horrific experience. Oh, my God. Yeah, certainly Kurt Russell is much more relatable and sim- sympathize worthy than he is in death proof so (laughs) you can get on board with what's going on in his head in this one more so than death proof but yeah i think it's one that people might not remember as well and they should go back and and check it out breakdown that's one of those movies if it's it's on tv and i'm like i have to watch this yeah i have to watch it. i'm with you i'm with you um so nocturnal animals you had brought up to me before and i hadn't seen it but i have seen it since yes i absolutely loved it and the best part of the movie is when amy adams character is reading her ex's novel um and it involves a scene on the road um where things go bad and honestly this is where the kid who's from kick-ass he's gonna about to play craven the hunter too in the new spider-man if i'm not mistaken or no in his own villain movie um is is the big bad in this and he does such a great job essentially abducting uh wife and the daughter of the character within the story within the story right um and the way that it's done is just really scary i feel like it's the best part of the movie in terms of emotional oh the stakes are yeah. yeah the stakes exactly 
Uh, and yes, I mean, I think everyone in this movie's performance is just fantastic. And I and I think I mentioned this last time. This is like a Tom Ford, like, um, uh, not. Uh, this was his first film. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It, it was amazing. I can't believe it had slipped under my radar because it was great. Jill and Bell's great in it. Um, then yeah, Amy Adams is usually pretty darn good too. Yeah, I can't think of the the actor. Aaron yet. Taylor Johnson. There it finally, is. yes, Aaron <laughs> Taylor Johnson is our big bad in it. I yeah, think he probably has used this role to have captured this role as Craven, who's you know a hunter of Spider Man. Uh-huh. You know, who wants to yeah. he hunts man kind. So that that should be good because he definitely he had some scary moments in it he was he was a bad dude he's a bad dude in nocturnal animals I and mean, it should be good but if it's in the spider verse i mean oof, i just watched uh, morbius let me just tell you yeah that is the problem it's a sony it's going to be a sony one so that that's not hopeful so uh yeah even the venoms i didn't really love that much no 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 i, I don't know they did collab though on the actual good Spider-Man one, Sony, but I guess they just probably tossed money and demanded royalties or whatever. But you're right; uh, there's not a lot of hope for it. But given his performance in Nocturnal Animals, I'm going to stay optimistic. Craven the Hunter was one of my favorite Spider-Man villains, so I'm really yeah. hoping they don't get it wrong. Um, so let's talk about this one that came out right before the pandemic raged. Uh, through the globe and that's russell crowe's in unhinged it didn't get great reviews but as a fan of movies like falling down i liked it i enjoyed it i got through i didn't i didn't want to like abandon it at all because i thought his performance was compelling and you know he's essentially hunting down this woman that uh insulted him on the road he's got the ultimate road rage character is what we're dealing with here and unhinged he's a murderer and he he's fun to watch you know is the he bad really guy is, as a bad guy and um i know that that um the weight he had put on for another role really kind of just brought this other character for this movie into a different russell crowe type character and right. the movie from start to finish is just like non-stop yeah no it's good it's a good action it's good action horror i yeah i can't fault it too much i mean it's not super dynamic but right. for what it is i went into it knowing what to expect and it gave me exactly what i wanted in that time yep. when i was watching yeah you know fun friday night movie you know I... now one i remember watching back in my blockbuster days uh oh, that yeah. i didn't know what to expect and i watched it specifically just for the cast turned out to be one of my favorites and that's california with a k yeah and yeah. we have a serious cast in this one we got brad pitt juliette lewis and David Duchovny. Duk- yeah, David Duchovny. And it's a, it's a really cool premise. It's actually something I wanted to ask you about after. Let, let's just mention the premise really quick. You have David Duchovny and his uh, girl essentially going cross-country to spots where serial killers have done right. their their deeds. And he's got his, his girl does photography. He's writing. He's writing the um, book, right? Yeah. Right. He's writing the book about it. And then, of course, comes along Juliet and Brad Pitt, who are horrible yes and they latch on to them and essentially well is it a hitchhiker situation i forget how they actually that's a great question and i have to go back and check that out um and yeah they really just kind of manipulate them yeah they glom on to them at first they seem like okay all right everything's chill and they could actually help us and then they turn out to just be i mean juliette lewis i think is fresh off of natural born killers at this so she's in that role of just scary scary lady 
Um, but I think it's one that of, of Brad Pitt's, especially that people just have dropped the ball on, forgotten about. And it's good. I mean, it, it's remin- it was before Seven came out, but it gave me Seven vibes. I remember seeing it around the same time I saw Seven and just associating the two for some reason, just because of the whole serial killer angle. Yeah. Um, and I remember it was it was slick. It, the production was good. I can't remember who directed it, but it's it's a decent movie. California with a K. I think a lot of people just haven't heard of it. No, they that's why it's in the middle tier. But you don't really get to see brad pitt as a villain a lot you know right and Which i is think good he did a really great job in this yeah I, i'm trying to think of i know in 12 monkeys he's sort of villainous um and that's why i think he was nominated for that uh supporting role in 12 monkeys yeah yeah he was, but yeah. he should do more bad guys because he does great in california he's he can be scary for sure um take take the route of ethan hawk lately who seems to be doing nothing but big bads <laughs> yeah it's fun. Oh, uh, really quick. Let's just kind of talk about the Rob Zombie ones because they always seem to add an element of road trips. You got House of a Thousand Corpses right. where you have these these hapless young people who are not unlike California going around to document these, these sites. strange sites. Yeah. Um, of like the the strange and macabre. You're like, you know, like strange um, and macabre. Yes. And um you could really see that House of a Thousand Corpses was Rob Zombie's sort of like a love letter to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You yes, one hundred percent. And it delivers. I mean, this movie. Oh my gosh, it's one of the scariest movies, if you ask me. Like yeah. Texas Chainsaw is the OG, but I think House of a Thousand comes as close as you can to that pseudo premise um, and bringing something really new and unique to it. And I think a lot of it has to do with Sherry Moon Zombie because yeah, his wife absolutely. is such a character. This movie has a fantastic cast, and there are it's a couple comedians in there that you, you forget about. That um, you know, Chris Hardwick's in there. Yep, and um, so is Rain Wilson. Yes, yeah, and what happens to Rain Wilson in it is is pretty unforgettable. Yeah, something you'd never seen before. A weird like fish man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a, um, yeah. yeah. It, it's super gross, but man. It's one of the horrors that I've I've gone back to often, you know, because I think it does mm-hmm. such a good job. So you got a lot of the same characters in his follow up called Devil's Rejects that right. deals with them essentially abducting a, a band that's going across country with their with their music, sharing their music. Um, so it's kind of interesting in that the road trippers in the first movie, House of a Thousand, come to them. They find people on the road in the second one. Right. And then the third one, three from hell, they're forced to go on a road trip themselves because they break Sherry Moon zombie out of jail and have to flee the country. So you get to see the villains on the road doing their own road trip and uh, three from hell. And I think the quality of the movies does go in the order in which they were created. House of a thousand devil's rejects and three from hell all worth watching. But yeah, house of a thousand takes the cake. I totally agree, and I think it's just because it's it's a little bit more I don't want to say grounded, but um, it taking place less of a, a road trip may have served it well because when he does the road trip, it kind of goes off the rails. But I mean, the yeah. characters are what make these. I mean, you, you got Sid Haig, R.I.P., um, yeah. and Bill Mosley, who plays you know Otis, the Otis character, is yeah. you know a main character in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. So that's another reason 
that um, Rob Zombie really wanted to like create his own universe, but you know, so influenced by. Um, you know, that is a good point. I think, yeah, what made the first one so effective is that it was their territory. They were in control of it. And then in the subsequent ones where they're going out into the real world, there is the scary factor that they're still horrifying figures out in the real world. Yes. But they don't have that background. You know, it's it's they're They seem like the foreign elements more so than the kids. Right. I guess kind of does take away a little from the horror. But let's talk about the top dogs, the top yeah. dogs of road trip horror. All right, there's a good chance you may have seen some of these. If one would hope, yeah. If you're listening to a horror podcast, you you got to see these ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's start with the one that you probably have seen. I don't necessarily think it's the best movie though, and that's Joyride, which I, I rewatched this week. Correct. I love Steve Zahn. I think Lily Sobieski is decent. Yeah. Um, Paul Paul Walker is always Paul Walker. Yeah. R.I.P. Again. Um, yeah. It's I don't didn't like the soundtrack, and it granted J.J. Abrams is a producer on this. Um, so it, it is well created. It is well produced. Well produced. But what's your issues with it? Well, you know, you got some just weird holes in it. I mean, well, for, for yeah. starters, Steve Zahn's character, um, a brother, they haven't seen each other. It's established they haven't seen each other for about five years. And Steve Zahn looks at Paul Walker like, it's been longer than that. It, it just, you know, right. that may have been an actor's choice because he needed to justify how like out of touch they are. You know, they, right. they don't come across as brothers at all in this. No. Um, maybe long lost friends or just a reconnection. Right. I don't think Steve Zahn just putting a, a, the CB radio in that car makes sense. I kind of wish there would have been more of an explanation like that. They were just bored and like, he, like his Paul Walker comes back and, and also it sounds like they've got like an infinite amount of money in this movie. They, they get know. the car like fixed whenever you needed to. Especially because he picks up Steve Zahn out of jail. He bails him out of jail. Yeah. So I don't know how Steve Zahn has like Apparently he much money at all. Yeah. Because he couldn't bail himself out. So I don't know. No. Uh, yeah. I'm completely with you. It, it just seemed like Steve Zahn's character who sh- as an actor is the most likable of the three here 100%. is made to be so unlikable in this in just kind of a shoddy way, I would yeah. say. Um, but yeah, cause that's the premise. He's like, he forces Paul Walker, his brother into pranking people on the road with the CB radio. And it, and it goes too far where he pretends to be um, this lusty woman, candy cane <laughs> yeah. and via the CB uh, contacts, the wrong guy on the road, rusty nails, right? which is voiced by Ted Levine, Ted Levine. Yes. And the killer from silence of the Lambs. Yes. His voice is just so good. Also uh, the dad in uh, the Hills have eyes remake. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Speaking of this list right here. Yeah. Um, th- there's some good moments in it though. Yes. I, I, it is a as fun far as movie road trip movies we were talking about how ultimately this is the one with the longest road trip yeah because you have him going from berkeley to salt lake city where he picks up his brother to boulder where they pick up lily sobieski and ultimately they're trying to get to newark which is their home um but certainly rusty nails makes that hard for them yes but that car goes through a lot and is still ticking i don't know how (laughs) that crappy old car survives as it does it's american made that's why did you like any of the characters in Joyride? 
you know, I think Paul Walker's character is redeemable. I think, yeah, you know, I think the, so. The I character think right. may not have been all that well written, but he's just a likable guy who clearly just really likes this girl. That's his only real reason. Yeah. Like he's doing his brother a solid by trying to like pull the family back together. But right. His brother's Walker, such a dick that he's essentially trying to hit on her himself. Yes. Which is not great. Which is so weird. Yeah. Um, but Paul Walker's character from the get go takes his plane ticket, redeems it for cash, buys a car, which was great price, eleven hundred dollars for that mm-hmm. old car that runs pretty well, um, and makes it through the movie uh, until the the gasoline scene. But um, right. he's he just wants to be the good guy. He you could just tell, and True. although his brother pushes him down the wrong path. Yeah, I, I do say I think Paul Walker could have been a good actor down the line if he had kept kept at it. Now, if he was able to keep at it. Right. I, I see to. some potential in Paul Walker, and I think Joy Wright is a good example of where you see what he could have been. Yeah. Wasn't given because I'm not a Fast and the Furious guy, but I remember he's in this, I think, one, one called Running Scared. Oh, it's yeah. It's really a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it is a shame that he didn't last longer than he did, but. I think Joyride is one of the movies that he's associated with the most next to Fast and the Furious, which interestingly is another car-based movie. Um, yeah, I think you're right. He's, he's the gearhead, the gearhead dude. <laughs> um, can you remind me? I'm forgetting what happened to the girl that was Lily Sobieski's roommate, Chloe, which Rusty Nails. Her name is Chloe. Chloe. He kidnaps her, right, yes. to kind of get them to continue to play along. What happens to her? For some reason, it's escaping. Does she get saved? She does. She does get okay. saved. They find her um, at the end when you don't, you know, spoiler alert, you don't, they don't ever apprehend Rusty Nail. Right. But they find Chloe that, that she's in the um, the truck, I think. Okay. She's, right. Yeah, she definitely gets rescued. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that they don't explain to you, though, is that, you know, like you see her, you're introduced to her. She drives off in her nice BMW convertible. You think that's it. And then right. we just hear her in the background. Like, so, so clearly. Rusty yeah. Nail, I don't know how Rusty Nail is able to move around as he does in this movie, given the so amount stealthily. of miles that it takes place over. Well, that, they, that is a whole. They try to justify it by saying that the distance between a shorthand radio is like five miles. So you're okay. supposed to believe that he has been within five miles of them this entire time fair uh i mean this the setup is good too when essentially steve zahn pins it on the guy next door who was kind of a dick to <laughs> yeah. them at the motel and this he ends up getting his jaw yeah. off. uh that's gruesome that's where this it does really have horror elements in it yeah and it, it's scary to be on the road and there's like one truck behind you you know at night i hate driving at night not right. my favorite thing to do so I think it does a good job of capturing what's scary about the road and specifically driving at night, too. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, let's talk about Wrong Turn. You've seen the OG, and I've seen the remake uh, that just came out last year. Tell me about the original one that came out early aughts, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, 2003. And um, you know what? When I was just... Um, it's been a while. I remember seeing this movie in the theater, and I remember seeing it a couple times since then. And I'm a fan. It's just a fun, you know, silly movie. But when we when I was going over it again in my head, it kind of reminded me we were talking about the um, Friday the Thirteenth remake from two thousand nine, yeah. where you've got these kind of like douchebag guys, but then you've got like this good guy. So the plot of this movie is that 
the quote unquote good guy that I'm talking about, his character, um, I think his name is Chris, actually, is driving cross country for a job interview. And I believe, not to pun intended, wrong turn, but I think he has to get off the road for something. He's a flat tire or whatever. And he runs into this group of friends, you know, who's you've got Eliza Dushku and Jeremy Sisto, who's great. Um, Emmanuel Sharik, man, I had these are all my early 2000 wow. crushes. Not Jeremy yeah. Sisto, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually really, really like Jeremy Sisto. Jeremy Sisto is awesome. Yeah. yeah, he's great. Yeah, but my two crushes, Emmanuel Sharik and uh, Eliza Dushku. Um, you know, they're the group of friends who um, are, I think they're just road tripping to go camping or something, but they also, you know, take the wrong turn. They go down the, I don't know if it's a shortcut or whatever, but then they run into this group of just, this kind of reminds you of the Hills Have Eyes where it comes in where they're mm-hmm. out if they're inbred or whatever, but they are not fully functioning <laughs> humans. And right. The cool thing that I, I liked about this, though, is that they they hunt they hunt these humans with bow and arrows. It's a really great scenes with like. So they hunting them for meat? What are they, are they hunting them yeah, for pleasure? They're hunting them for, for okay. I believe to eat. You know, that is not the case in the new one at all. It does sound like there's some similarities, and it does start in this new one, 2021 version, yeah. as the road trip through the Appalachian Mountains. But then they get out of the car and they go on the Appalachian Trail. And the wrong turn in the new one is they take the wrong turn in the trailhead. You know, they kind of dig into the woods toward, it sounds like a similar scenario in the first one where you have these people who are part of the foundation. It's this group that kind of when the civil war was percolating, they're like, well, screw that. We're going to let them kill each other. And we're going to be the foundation of what the new America becomes so again like you're talking about they do wear skulls of dead animals and they do use bow and arrows but they see themselves as more civilized than contemporary man in that they aren't obsessed with what doesn't matter from their perspective um that being said uh even though it's too long it's way too long it's like there's two movies in one because you have matthew modine who's the father of one of the girls that ends up, you know, getting sure. kidnapped and then right. turned into one of them. Essentially, they give them the option. You become one of us, the foundation, or we're going to kill you because actually we weren't going to kill her. They were going to put her in the dark. They were going to essentially burn out her eyes and put oh. her into this cave where they do feed her. But she's just stuck in the blackness in the cave with other people. They've they've done this to. That's their form of um, justice. OK, there is some really good kills in it. There's some really decent effects in it too i mean there's a a one moment in it when they do first veer off where it's like indiana jones with the boulder except it's this ginormous tree trunk that's just rolling down the hill at them all and it's done so well and of course one of the dudes gets crushed against a tree and it's super graphic and gross but just the scene of the log coming at them i thought was just shot really really cool uh granted this new wrong turn has gotten crap reviews yeah it's not doing well on rotten tomatoes and the like but uh, I'll admit I did watch it on uh, VLC with a little faster pace than otherwise okay. might have. That might have helped it. It might have been intolerable if I watched it at the normal pace. Sure. But I, I enjoyed it. I did. And I didn't really hate any of the characters. I thought they were pretty well fleshed out. Yeah. Um, and even the characters that seem like the hicks in the town near the foundation, 
they're redeemable too. Like even the, the pseudo bad guys become redeemable at the end. I I didn't hate it and I see why it was made, but I, I am curious to go back and watch the Dushku one, especially if they're hunting down people to eat them yeah, because well, that is not the case in the new one. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I very clearly remember them like wanting to like chop these people up and not, I mean, I think it's left to your own devices. Like, Oh yeah, they're going to eat see. them. Right. Right. Cannibal apocalypse style. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I think you need to watch it. I think you need to watch. I think I will. Sure. I think I will as soon as I like come across it. And I Matthew guess. Modine kind of gives it a little bit of cred. I gotta say, especially I mean, he's a big shot now. New Stranger Things coming out. Yeah, we'll probably be talking about that very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he gives it a little bit of gravitas, and the fact that he's this like really tenacious—it's like Liam Neeson in Taken, but the horror version of Taken sort of gotcha. thing. He's going to save his daughter, and she's been kind of brought into the fold and when he shows up does she stick with them or try and break free with her dad sort of thing that's fun it's it's a fun too long worth a look let's talk about jeeper creepers because i remember seeing that end of high school beginning of college i definitely um i definitely watched this in the theater and i definitely rewatched it like (laughs) um every other year you know it's just a fun movie and i think it's has a lot to do with the the cast your brother and sister duo right um you got justin long and then you got the girl from roswell right yeah i'm trying to think cherry appleby or something 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 like that sorry she's also from unreality i think that that show about reality shows right right which is good actually now this is a a road trip story kind of reminds you of um joyride where i believe the brother sister are like driving back home for the holidays for thanksgiving and um I think they're, I don't think they go to the same school or whatever, but they're close enough to where they're, um, they're carpooling home. Mm. And I just remember thinking like, Oh my God, this feels like they shot it in Illinois or, or Iowa because it's, yeah, it's got that just very flat land look of just green cornfields. The cool thing about this movie though, is they really, um, they really introduce your villain kind of like out of nowhere, like G, uh, Jeepers Creepers truck, which is um, mm. almost like the second, you know, you've got Jeepers Creeper and you've got his vehicle. His vehicle almost seems like a monster of its own. But, you know, this is this is like a road rage moment where that he just kind of comes up and like bumps their bumper and they're freaking out. They drive yeah. off the road and he just keeps going, you know, and the license plate. This is my favorite part. The license plate said um, beating you. And then oh. later in the movie, you find out it was like be like be eating you eating you yeah (laughs) but yeah they they, they find that giant pipe and they go like you know um they find those those bodies like he's dumping bodies down this whole this pipe and then you find out the the lore which is fun because they bring in this woman who's a clairvoyant Mm. and she just knows everything about jeepers creepers but she's like i i've seen you too your brother and sister you know in my visions you got to get out of here type of a thing, but they also want to do the right thing and make sure that, you know, they can save people here. But the, the lore was cool that, um, the Jeepers Creepers monster like appears every 20 something years out of nowhere. He can fly. He's got some really cool weapons that he can like decapitate a human head. And like, one yeah, I remember slice. his design being very cool. Yeah. The most upsetting thing about this movie is, um, what happened off screen and oh, what? it's almost like a horror movie of its own. It's like the director of Jeeper Creepers one 
two and possibly three um, has many accusations of like, um, I don't want to say pedophilia, but like he's like, uh, oh, he has a, a cases of like abuse up against him. And it made good. me, it made me like almost hate the franchise, even though like a lot of people so me probably too had nothing to do with it. Sort of yeah. Yikes. But uh, I have uh, heard a rumor that they're relaunching this franchise. Um, I think that's a good idea. I, I mean, the so name too. itself is great, and I remember the second movie was super fun. It's a road trip, uh, road trip of its own. It's the high school football hmm. team driving from like across the state or whatever, um, and it happens on the school bus. Oh, wow. oh it's so much I didn't fun! See that one. So huh. so much fun, yeah. But um, huh. yeah, it just feels kind of like joyride in that sense. They've got the old muscle car. They're driving across the country. Except there's a monster, an actual monster in this one. Yes, which you love. And and remind me, what does, he wants the eyes too. Eyes are part he of wants, it, right? Cheapest creepers. He wants everything. Creepers? You know, he's got different things from different people. Whether it's your mm. eyeballs or your tongue. Right? Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Lovely, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's kind of go over uh, the last two, or actually, we got three left here. But we've talked a lot about the Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, so I don't think have. we got to dig too much into that. We got yeah. a whole cast about Texas Chainsaw. Go back and listen to that one if you want. Only thing interesting I want to say is in the Texas Chainsaw, similar to what goes on in the zombie movies that we talked about, is you got the victims taking a road trip in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, you have him as part of the road trip himself, right? Leatherface, right? right? He actually goes on the road trip too. So that that's something that's a little interesting in terms of the road trip and how that affects him. Um, but let's talk about The Hills Have Eyes, because both the original and the remake are great. Yeah. Um, really good movies dealing with essentially urban versus rural again. Right. Um, and certainly the, the nuclear angle, because you're dealing with humanoids, but that have been affected by radiation. Yeah. And that do eat people, right? Aren't they snarfing on the people? Or I believe so. Are some of them at least? Some I just them. remember there are some of the most graphic kills in this, and there's certainly some horrific rape stuff that goes mm-hmm. on in this too. Um, yeah. It does deal with, uh, you know, future and past and how one's like legacy has been corrupted uh, while you have these, you know, the rich family with the RVs not been affected by it. So it's like almost revenge yeah. on normalcy in it's a very way. Political. Um, yes, it is. Even in the, the remake, the. Um the son-in-law uh, character is very liberal. And I believe um, Ted Levine's character isn't. Hmm. And yeah. there's just, yeah, there's just a lot of talk about um, their I think it's, it's beliefs. more, even though I wouldn't consider it with this new, new wave of like highbrow horror by any means. I think it, it might have been the start of where you really could embed more societal messages, yeah. especially with the remake. Um, because I think that did proceed like when we started to get the Babadook. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that is to me the ultimate representation of highbrow horror. Yeah. And next level horror. Elevated horror. Elevated horror. That's what it is. Yeah. That's that's the term. Um, but I think Hills Have I starts to do that. And you almost have a little sympathy for those who have been nuked, even though what they do to these family is just right. you know, horrible. And again, yeah. you have another kind of scarecrow moment with the father being burned to the face oh, sort man. of stuff. And, um, I would say it's probably the most grisly of our top road trip movies. I'd say so, yeah. Most graphic, even though Rob Zombie's up there, but th- this one, right. and this is Alexander Aja. Right. 
great yeah. director. And then finally, let's talk about the one which I think is my favorite of them all. Okay. Uh, if we're just talking road trip horror, because right. of course I love Texas Chainsaw, and that, that first one is just a masterpiece. But I remember Children of the Corn really affecting me when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. Just the whole idea of kids running a town and <laughs> sacrificing adults. Because they, even themselves, they can't live beyond 13. So they have this really regimented sense of life. Right. Sacrificing adults to their, you know, demonoid deity um, was scary just to see kids be the big bad. Absolutely. It's and just um, the idea. Because you here we have the couple who's driving across country for a new job. So a new beginning um, thwarted by the youngins. Yeah. Um, again you might have metaphors going on there too in that I don't know when you think about getting a job and stuff all the youngins are kind of taking the jobs and putting the old guys out to pasture sort of thing um, and of course we're talking about Stephen King here so it's going to be half halfway decent no matter what absolutely and, and, and yes there is something very terrifying about a group of uh, children uh, who basically incredibly influential by um the, the boy preacher um isaac right. isaac yes and to do his bidding i mean it's it's very scary <laughs> it is no i think it tops the charts in terms of, of scare factor uh, granted it does have supernatural forces so i'm not going to put it above a ta- chainsaw massacre in the grander scheme of things but for our, our road trip and what it did to me in my youth i, I gotta give a lot of credit aren't they making a remake of this or no they have, they have, um, they've remade it. They remade it like, God, maybe 10 years ago. And they, they shot it in like parts of it in, in Illinois and Iowa. Um, oh, wow. I remember cause I had like friends who were working on it, but I don't know if there's talks of, um, see, to me, I don't think it was that big of a hit. Was it? No, but to me, you've got an opportunity here to maybe do like a, a series. Yes. You know? Yes. Absolutely. You've got a lot to work with here. Gatlin, the town of Gatlin. And um, I mean, the names. Nebraska is Mal- scary. Yeah. Driving yeah. through Nebraska is not not fun. I remember thinking to myself, wow, if I broke down here, I got 70 miles before the next stop or right. whatever. That was, you know, it spooks you. It spooks it you is. a little bit. And it's, you know, that's the funny thing about a lot of road trips is a lot of things have to happen. They have to cut through middle America here. And I think that's, what's mm-hmm. so interesting about things breaking down in the middle of America where it's like the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And this was even before like how divisive things are now politically, you know what I mean? Yeah. City slicker getting yeah. stuck in zones that they shouldn't. I know, I think Chuck Palahniuk's father dealt with some, some folks in Idaho that killed him. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It's definitely, definitely a good road trip movie. Granted, a lot of these start as road trips and then turn into something else, but the driving vehicle of what brings them to the horror is often a road trip. Absolutely, with few exceptions, like the joy rides, which is the whole time they're on yeah. the road, or even the midnight ride, the whole time they're on the road. Um, it's well, yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of. I'm kind of glad I'm not going on a road trip this this summer, as far as I know. Yeah, now uh, that we've talked about it. Um, and to bring <laughs> things full circle, I was uh, referencing at the very beginning the um, the gasoline uh, prices in the mm-hmm. movie. It was Joyride, and they pull into the the, pl- the, the location where uh, 
rusty nail wants them to take their clothes off and go into the diner right the gas prices in the background are like a dollar 32 and it's wow. just so sad <laughs> them's were the days yeah yeah wow yeah that's hard to believe granted you made less money back then in theory and right i don't know but yeah compared to now it's it's pretty pretty different but I think we've done covered this. I think so too. And you know, there are Governor a couple Trace. honorable mentions. Like I know the Hitcher people might be like, "Why didn't you guys talk about the mm. Hitcher?" But um, we wanted to, you know, kind of focus on things that you may not have seen, and right. and certainly it turned into some of the ones that we we have seen. Um, right. Yeah. There's. I mean, I I I hope that they continue to build this this subgenre out. Like, let me. Maybe... There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them that we don't even have on the list. Yeah. I think it's. It's a, it's a tried and true subgenre that we will see. Yeah. It's going to happen. You're just so vulnerable on the road. Absolutely. I think that's the point of it. There's such vulnerability. You're out there in that little tin box on wheels. And something has to happen to your car. Zones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, so much car trouble <laughs> in my day. But anyways, thanks for listening, folks. Thank you. And uh, drive safely, you. buckle up, and stay alive. <laughs>